I want to thank everyone who's listening right now for tuning into the podcast. We appreciate it so, so much. I just want to take this moment really quick to do a, a fast announcement. We have three birthdays this week. First one is Ben Adams, who is one of the stars of the show, our shining star. Uh, we also have our dear friends Richard and Bradley, who are having their birthdays today as I'm editing. So happy birthday, you guys. Um, I'm so thankful to have you guys as friends, and I don't know where I would be without you. So thank you very much, and enjoy the episode. And the non-believers shall be cast out from the kingdom of heaven and struck down by the wrath of God the Almighty. If y'all don't mind, I would like to. Um, what time is it? It's ten. It's too late for that. Okay. Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. <laughs> coffee. All right. So coffee. we're recording. I don't know what we were talking about before, but uh, we were talking about good Christian your book. sex. Yes. Book. Talk about your book. Uh, that's all I had to say. Was uh, the the when is not as important as the how and why uh, mm. of sex. Mm. Um, yeah. So like, I've, uh, you, I've been, I've been, uh, sorry, go. Five, uh, go. You can, you can be in a marriage and have sex and have abusive sex yeah. On, yeah. for one part or the other. Mm-hmm. And you can have abusive sex or abusive sexual relationship, not married. Mm-hmm. And you can have healthy relationships sexually when you're not married. I mean, it's, yeah. marriage is not, con- a positive sexual relationship is not conditioned upon marriage. But if we get married, everything will get better. Right. You That's are correct. I am <laughs> correct. Said it. Yeah. But um, so I've been I've been attending an uh, Episcopalian church lately, and I gotta say, so I I went from Baptist and to agnostic and then to um, Presbyterian USA. I was attending it, but I was still agnostic, just kind of feeling out the waters. I worked at a I worked at a nonprofit summer organization for a few years. It was a summer camp, and <laughs> that's a fancy way of saying. I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, I I worked in direct uh, customer satisfaction, communications, and retailing at a nonprofit summer organization, um, which means that I ran the snack stand on Fridays during drop off. So, <laughs> but um. Those both gave me very different perspectives. Those experiences gave me very different perspectives from what I was raised at from a Christian perspective on sex, especially the Episcopalian one that I'm having right now, my, my Episcopalian journey, where they're very, as long as you are making healthy, good decisions for yourself, it really, it's not like a, they, they, they don't treat it laissez-faire, they treat it with a lot of reverence, but along the way, they're still like, sexuality is something that is a part of your human existence and can be explored in a reverent um spiritually based way without being repressive and harmful i think that i think that the episcopalians have struck a really good i mean they've all apparently apparently they've always been lit um i will have to be shown that it, i will have to be shown that evidence um but that's sort of where the environment i'm in right now um religiously yeah, I think that absolutely would work from a Christian perspective. Um, we're talking about ways to like integrate the two. Because I think one of the big issues for Christianity is kind of what Ben touched on as far as like 
don't know what that was outside. Home invasion, um, home invasion. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably my cat. So like the church and Christians treat sex as like, well, excuse me, once they treat sex like it's the end all be all. Like it is the highest pinnacle of a relationship and it's the most pure form of love between two people, blah, 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 whatever. And it treats marriage like the only way to experience that in a positive way. So it's like, you can only do this perfect, wonderful thing inside of this perfect, wonderful thing. And a lot of times people end up getting into marriages and they're like, wait, neither of these two things are perfect, wonderful things. Like I was lied to basically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the church did lie to them because like, Yes. The the highest high in a relationship you'll ever truly experience is completing a 1000 piece puzzle together. Fair. Yeah. That's my that's my genuine opinion. Like the highest high, like emotional high I've ever experienced was completing a puzzle. But it's, I mean, it, it's, you say that's a joke, but like it's also, well, is it a joke? No, it's not a joke. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> it's not a joke. <laughs> uh, but, it, but yeah, you bring a good point by saying that because again people treat it like it's the thing you know and and when you get into a relationship and you get married and you commit your rest of your life to this person because oh by the way you also can't leave them according to the bible and it's not the thing then you're you're stuck feeling cheated yeah and the 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 reason i brought up puzzles which i mean that is absolutely true that is my favorite thing to do and like with my person the reason i brought up puzzles is because the church and by the church, I mean the traditional evangelical community has treated sex and marriage with what I would call toxic reverence. It puts too much weight on it. It puts too much weight on sex. Now, when you want to say teaching someone how to respect their body, I don't think you can really go too far with teaching someone to respect their body. I mean, obviously there's like ways that it could be worded incorrectly, but when you treat sex and marriage as these two pinnacle milestone super events that happen in your life, you're setting people up for failure, frankly. I mean, that's kind of, it seems like a lot of pressure for two people who've never had experience with either one of those things. Mm -hmm. The the product does not meet the advertisement. Yeah. By any means. Yeah. Like It, it just can't. There's just yeah. there's no way for it to allow to it. Yeah, like I, I know for me, like I had a very unhealthy view and unhealthy background with sexual experiences until really my like junior year of college when I I had a friend sit me down and we like talked about it and it was like a like all night. Like we did not go to sleep. Like we talked about it all night, sitting on opposite sides of the room, not touching each other. And um, <laughs> we left room for like 10 Jesuses. Um, but we had, I had a long conversation. Cause like, I, for me personally, like I had some negative ex- sexual experiences be- and just, they were just unhealthy. They weren't mm-hmm. positive reinforcements of me respecting my body and being with people who also respected me as a person. Like it just, it, it, it didn't happen. And had a friend of mine, we sat down talked about it. And then after that, just after talking about it, it was a lot easier for me to make safer, smarter decisions. And then it became like a pretty like I, I consider myself to be pretty outspokenly sex positive and I try to have those conversations with people that, especially people that I know who are uncomfortable with it as much as possible to get them thinking about those things that 
you don't even want to, when you're raised evangelically, you don't even want to think about how can I respect my body sexually? Not even like having sex, but you can't even, the thought of it is terrifying. Like, how do I even respect myself? You know, like, I never thought of that. You kidding me? I think that there's like a confusion in, in the church as far as what respecting your body means, because I think they take that to mean like treating your body like a temple or, um, you know, whatever else, instead of like respecting your body as an understanding your body and what you want, what you like, what you experience, um, like treating your body with respect means understanding and accepting. It does not mean fearing and hiding and not questioning. I know the church is not a huge fan of not asking questions or <laughs> of asking questions. Of asking questions. But, the church uh, you go to. <laughs> yeah, so the church is not a huge fan of asking questions or you know accepting things as they are. But I think it, it, that's where the big discrepancy comes for me is like, it's just a fundamental difference in understanding of the word respect for your body. I think it would have been easier to remain abstinent having had a comprehensive sex education background. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, <laughs> I won't go into like too many detail, but like when I left home to go to college, like, sorry, not even that, when I was still at home, my parents don't listen to this, they're not gonna know. When I was still at home, I had like some pretty horrible, like looking back now, like horrible, very like <laughs> unsafe situations that mm-hmm. I did not need to be in at all. And it was all for like, I don't know what's out there. I guess I should just like try, you know, which yeah. is such a harmful mindset. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> well, I think I, it's also, I probably would have waited till I was like 25 if I had just known everything and just been like, if, if I had just known everything that was out there without having to like, you know, have the like, not literal, but like emotional back alley shame, I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have like really wanted to have sex because it's not, I don't know, for me, it's not like, <laughs> it's not my favorite thing in the world like god if i had known that i enjoy unironically but kind of a joke but not really if i knew that i had enjoyed puzzles as much as i did i would have found a lot more joy in my life like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah sex is cool but have you tried thousand piece puzzles i know sex is cool but have you had like a zach pack meal like <laughs> that's better uh, unequivocally <laughs> we had chick-fil-a <laughs> i think when you're not allowed the space to explore your own sexuality mm-hmm. and truly find respect and acceptance for yourself, it makes it harder. And I think that leads to a lot of dangerous situations and a lot of, uh, a lot of more trauma and a lot more, yeah, trauma and dangerous situations. I think is where I'm going to leave it. Because, just masturbate. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Um, just, just do it. Just Find a quiet room and you put your headphones on, listen to some ocean sounds, do whatever you got to do. Like that is my, that is my piece of advice to evangelicals. That's my advice right there. Boom. Just masturbate. Just, uh, so just evangelicals and alt-right people need to masturbate. That's just, do, just <laughs> please, please. And it's, it's always the people who are like, no one cares about men's mental health. I'm like, no, I do. Go rub one out in a room. Please, God, leave everyone else alone. Like, <laughs> you're being weird. <laughs> don't, get sucked in, don't get sucked into a cycle of porn addiction. That's, that's going to make your disrespect of women even worse. <laughs> yeah, no, like, 
be sex positive, yeah. support sex workers, don't get addicted to pornography, you know, treat it like alcohol if, you, if you're going to do it. Yeah. So that's a, talking about respecting women, I think we do need to branch yeah. into like do it. the double standard and respect women's body. Yeah. Um, so the thing that keeps coming up for me is a lot of this negativity, the guilt, the shame, all of that that comes with sex in a, a Christian environment mm-hmm. disproportionately affects women um, to uh, an unbelievable amount, you know? Uh, so I, I, I want to talk, I think we would be extremely remiss if we did not talk about that before this podcast was over. Of course. So I want to start by talking about these analogies that I hear pretty often. The flower? Oh, yeah. Ben knows where this is going. She is the queen. You have to climb to the tower. The one... So, a a person that I know from college has a podcast, and I'm not going to name them, um, but they talk about religious things on that podcast, like we do, except uh, they are well within the folds of religion. And uh, they mentioned uh an analogy for sex and the analogy goes something like this <laughs> pretend you're a piece of tape easy and <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about this one <laughs> and you know you stick yourself to a wall and it works but then you stick yourself to a table and you're a little less sticky and then you keep sticking yourself around and by the end you have no more stick left I, in my and, experience, the more tables you tape yourself to, the stickier you get. <laughs> Just ignoring <laughs> the, the, the sexual undertones of running out of stickiness. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> my, my girlfriend specifically requested that I call out this metaphor um, for being, quote, fucking insane. <laughs> um, so I had to throw that one in there for her, but I agree. Um, uh, that one is laughably bad, but that's so that's so good. I need to write that down. <laughs> I'm writing it right now. There's others, and one I came across today was um, as upsetting as that one was funny. Uh, oh. it, and this one is not so much a metaphor as a physical activity in the sense that I saw it described. But they said that their pastor and uh, a youth group brought out a cup and asked the, everyone to spit in this cup, and so they went in like a circle. And everybody would just spit into this cup. And by the end of, end of the circle, I got to the last person and it was just a cup full of spit. And the pastor was like, this is you when you sleep around. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Like if you were drawing up a way to like mentally traumatize teenagers, I could not have thought of a better one. You are a cup of spit. The weird thing is, is that some people are really into that. So you're really kind of shooting yourself in the foot with that one. <laughs> We don't kink shame on this podcast. We do not kink shame on this podcast. <laughs> this podcast this podcast is a kink safe area. So yeah, I mentioned these to just bring up the point is how psychologically uh, dangerous these things are, mm-hmm. but particularly for women, because they're usually directed at women. Uh, like Ben, mm-hmm. you mentioned the flower uh, at like, what is it? Losing petals or something? Uh, Taking my rose. Hmm. Like yeah. the bachelor. 
Whatever new girl said. The oh girl. yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> well, like even both of, like the metaphors that you've mentioned, I it, like okay. Let's be real. Evangelicals know what they're doing whenever they say "spit into a cup." That is yeah. absolutely an like a image of a woman's body. Yes. Like, oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, it has nothing to do with like. Here's a tube of toothpaste. Everybody squirt a little out of it. Like it's yeah. not. It has nothing to do with that. Like. Yeah, the imagery is there. If you masturbate, you'll go blind. Like, I mean, that's more, <laughs> that's me, that's more effective. Like, <laughs> you, you can thank the Kedlock brand for that one. That's um, yeah, true. But I believed that for a long time, too. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is a bad, obviously. Um, and I, I read an article as well uh, calling out purity culture. And I, I told Jesse I wanted to link this in the show notes as well. So. Oh. You'll just see the link down there. Um, but it's actually a pretty good article, and it's it's an opinion piece from New York Times, and the author talks about her own journey with um, purity culture and kind of where that leaves her now as a person who doesn't like purity culture but still wants to be a Christian and has Christian values but also wants to know herself sexually. And where does that leave her? <laughs> And I think that's a great question. And it's a question that is not explored by enough people. And I think particularly women aren't given room to explore that. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt uh, thrown on them from society. So I think that's to me where the, at least where the church needs to start is just fixing the double standard. Um, yeah. Empowering women doesn't stop at the workplace. It also has right. to do with empowering women's women's decisions, choices, and views of their own bodies. I mean, that's yeah, critical for any. Like, I mean, it, anyone who's ever going to call themselves a feminist, that's so critical is the empowerment of women or like the space, like women's spaces, especially. Mm-hmm. And I understand the church does not have a good record in allowing women <laughs> to have control over their bodies, but yeah. Or control in general. Yeah. Well, I like that. I, I feel, I mean, obviously, like, we're three dudes talking about this. Yeah. yeah. But um, I, I, you know, your, your heart breaks for, like, like the, especially the girl that, like, that broke that piece, like, mm-hmm. looking for a way, like, looking for an answer in her faith that she doesn't want to leave. And I don't think that she should leave. If, she, if you want to follow it, follow it. But like, looking for an answer in the system that she operates in about something that I I think is admirable for her to be in that environment and be asking those questions like but just looking for those answers and not finding them and the fact that like that opinion piece to me was surprising that it was out like that, that somebody had you know written it um mm-hmm. so like, the exception kind of proves the rule of like what what is the avenue that we go down to not only protect but empower like women's bodies in sexuality and religion yeah and i think that there's a so the youtuber um she also has a, a blog I'm, I'm just gonna like re- do a quick blurb her name is god is gray um she's on youtube go check her out she talks about um she's like she's a christian she talks about her experience with purity culture and she also talks about her exit from purity culture what that was like um like her journey through that she also talks about like uh, like queer issues she's a straight woman but still you know might bring in the fun and um she's so she's a good resource so go check her out if you're listening and you're just curious just like alternative voices that are out there on 
um, Christian purity culture from the other perspective, go check her out. I think she does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I also will shout out uh, the author of this article. Her name is Caitlin Beatty. I forgot to mention that earlier. Caitlin Bennett? Oh, no. Please don't. <laughs> Who's that? That's Gun Girl. Gun Girl. She pooped herself at Kent State. So funny. <laughs> Uh, but we what? don't kink shame here. We do not kink shame. No, no. If it works for you, it works for you. <laughs> so long as it doesn't hurt anyone else in the process. Yeah, no, no, no. I just throw noses. It's fine. But um, I was actually having a have, having a conversation about this with um, my boyfriend today, and um, what? My boyfriend today, and um, we were talking about. I, so we were talking about. Obviously, we're two dudes, and we, but we were talking about what is the role that uh, gay men have when it comes to women's bodies and society as a whole, right? Because, and again, that's why I mentioned earlier, before we started recording, I told Ben, I was like, yeah, we, we talked about like women's issues today because, you know, that's just how we roll. And um, we were talking about like, uh, it doesn't actually matter like in terms of that, specifically the sexuality of the person, men's words about women's bodies holds power it holds a you know you kind of it, it's a sad reality but it is a reality like it, you as a male hold sort of there there is a you can shift conversational tone about a woman's body you can absolutely like destroy a woman's uh, view of her body especially like a like a, like a young girl like you this we were all in school and in church like that and you hear what uh pastors and sunday school teachers and even like teachers at school and like something like that like it's i don't know i'm not a woman <laughs> haven't been in a while and um so i i don't know what that experience is like firsthand but it's pretty clear that there is a very anti-empowerment message when it comes to women's bodies and we all have a role to play in that and that's why it's really important to listen to women's stories it's really important to like we, I mean, I'm trying to get a friend of mine to come on the show so she can talk about more in depth these issues from her perspective because there's only so much there's only so much we can understand, and um, but we all have a role to play. We all have something to learn, and I think the evangelicals this is an area that they can work on. This mm-hmm. isn't it's not antithesis to your religion or to your faith to learn from women about women's bodies and the issues surrounding them. Babui. Yeah, I, I really look forward to that podcast because um, I, I really want to hear what she has to say because I think a lot of religion, particularly, well, obviously in my experience is Christianity, so I'll just speak for Christianity, um, is very negative towards women. And even if you read the verses in the Bible, like I feel like people do a lot of explaining for some of the verses in there, but especially in the Old Testament, there is some very, very... Um, interesting verses uh, about <laughs> men and women's roles in society that uh, I gotta say they're pretty rough. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that carries over here and into mm-hmm. sex and sexuality and, and almost everything in religion, honestly, has some sort of like gender roles tie into it. Do you want to, um, I want to do it. This could be a quick segue or a long one. Doesn't matter. I want to talk about, cause this is a selfish subject for me. I want to talk about David and Jonathan. 
and how the and their um these david and jonathan absolutely were um lovers changed my mind so i'm gonna read a verse real quick uh it's from first samuel chapter 18 uh and this is chapter 18 one and i'm just gonna read until i'm done with the section so this is segueing me segueing into um uh gay sexuality and evangelicals which i'm very excited to speak on and scream at so chapter 18 first samuel samuel one um as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house, which when you don't return to your father's house, usually in the Bible. <laughs> Ooh, um, can see me. And then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David. Ooh. They... Fuck. I mean, I don't know how to say it. Like, sounded like one flesh to me. I, <laughs> this is the passion of the flesh. Um, so that's they just were sort married, of, right? Well, Jonathan didn't return to his father's house, and he also disrobed and gave it to David, whose soul was knit with his. So you tell me. Um, th this is yeah. This is sort of my segue into talking about the church's history with uh, homosexuality, or just queer sexualities in general. It doesn't be homosexuality at all. Um, so yeah, that's what I want to talk about now. Let's go. Let's fight. I want to want to fight somebody about this. <laughs> Take it away, man. I, I mean, I, I think just... we're all on board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is this is an area that I actually don't look for common ground with evangelicals on because I don't think that there is much. Um, this is sort of a uh my this is my message to evangelicals on this topic which is sort of like you know get out of the way or make a stand so i know who to argue with yeah this is one that really 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 grinds my gears and um it's frustrating to me because it has nothing to do with like people should just be able to do whatever they want with their bodies. Cause I understand the religious argument of respecting your body. And that also means that there's going to be some abstaining from activities with anything like they do it with alcohol. And that's, per I think that that's fine. Like there's mm -hmm. having a sexual drive does not mean that you have to be sexually active to be sexually healthy. So there's people who I firmly believe would have a sexual drive who would want to abstain due to religious reasons and let that be that. For example, like I, I am religious and I, I have friends of mine who are gay, who are religious, who feel spiritually called to abstain. And in, in my, my view on that is as long as you are mentally healthy and you're making a decision about how you want to live your life, as long as you are not being emotionally repressed and you're going through that process healthily, I don't have an issue with that at all. Um, that was not for me personally, but <laughs> I have it at work for you. But one of this is one of the things that sort of it it ties in a little bit with how the church has treated women's bodies in the sense that like it's very common knowledge that this thing exists within the church and within every aspect of society uh there is a reason that there's a stereotype about ministers being predators i don't think that that's as if you meet a minister it's far more likely that they are not a predator and most of i do believe that most of them are perfectly normal people right i mean they're just they're not psychopaths I said most, um, because some of them are. And um, so it's this, it's this issue, it's this like gray cloud hanging over the church of we can't talk about um, queerness or queer sexualities in a religious context. 
And that forces a lot of religious youths into very unsafe situations. So like, I'll, I'll speak to like my experience and then experiences of people who I've kept in contact with who we are all like, you're gay too. Um, or I think there was like one D now that I went to that like seven out of the 10 of us have now finally come forward and been like, hi, yes, me too. Like, <laughs> and so like, I remember, especially like not even, I was not a very, risky child like I didn't go do like a bunch of I didn't I never did heroin I didn't do anything like that I never like snuck out of the house late at night like the the I think the worst thing that I did was like I came home like two hours after curfew one time right like I didn't do terrible terrible things until I moved out and mm -hmm. um after I moved out and you're sort of on your own and you get that freedom um, and the shame's still there and your anxiety still keeps you down. And so it's really hard to make healthy decisions regardless, but you still have that freedom available to you. And that really does change your perspective on what you're allowed to do. So, I mean, it took me a while to sort of build up the courage for it. Um, but like, I remember just meeting up with someone randomly first time ever doing anything like physical with another human being that I had never met that I knew almost nothing about in a college dorm room. I didn't even know where it was because I was not familiar with the campus at the time. And um, I, I, I don't, so first of all, I want to say, I don't regret that experience. I learned a lot from it, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's not like, a, I wish it never happened. It happened, it's whatever. However, I wish I would have had a healthier mindset going into a sex, my like first sexual encounter because it would have been easier for me to communicate how I, feel about my body it would have been easier for me to communicate discomfort that I was having like it, it's just it, it's all around harmful when you can't talk about those things and so whenever it comes to taboo subjects about sex especially with like women's bodies and like queer sexuality and I mean even like masturbation for guys is like it's weird it, you don't hear a lot about masturbation for girls in the church which you think you would hear a lot about but it's always masturbation for for guys that is talked about whenever it comes to like, don't touch yourself or you'll go blind. You know, like, yeah. you know, if you, if you masturbate too much, your foot will fall off and then you can't run away from the devil. And it's like, it's the weirdest fucking shit. And so I, I guess my encouragement to ev evangelicals would be, you need to start creating spaces that people can talk about these things openly. And when it comes to especially queer issues, I don't think evangelicals have the capacity to do that, which makes me mm. sad, but I don't see how they could, frankly, yeah. fight me. <laughs> no i agree uh, yeah well like, right. well like work working at a religious summer camp i was an openly I, I got to be an openly gay camp counselor at a, at a religious camp being religious mm -hmm. and being queer and being able wow. to live that open now of course i wasn't going around like telling i didn't shout it out most of right. the, mo especially most of the campers never knew i was actually going to bring that up real quick in, in conjunction with this is that something that like makes me sad thinking about this whole thing is what came to my mind is I, I wonder what the parents of these children would have thought. Yeah. You know, like, cause my, yeah, yeah. my immediate thought is like how like just bigoted and like misinformed and yeah. angry and like awful they would have been uh, just cause they, it's just such this weird association yeah. with like being gay and being a predator. Well, like my Christians, I don't get it. So I had a, I had a wonderful director. I had a, we had a wonderful director staff and we like, they still, they're still there. 
And um, one of the requests that I made as a staff member was I came clean to them at the like you know near near my near the middle of the second year. I was like, hey, this is who I am because somebody <laughs> we were working a Fourth of July fireworks event and somebody yelled fag and I got like sad over it and so and so like why are you upset and I was like yeah. somebody yelled at me. Now if somebody yelled at I'd be like, ha, my shirt already says it. And so, um, <laughs> but I requested to them from my first summer, I was like, I always want to have a co-counselor. I just, I don't want to be alone. And so I was always with another uh, counselor or there was, I had, a, we did like family groups. So like the counselor in the other cabin kind of thing. So I was always with someone because if someone's parent ever did find out, like I, I knew the risk of like, it takes one accusation you know, so that's why I was, I, I know that I annoyed the directors with how like strict I was about like, they'd be like, Hey, can you go lifeguard? And I'd be like, I need like three other adults in the area. <laughs> but being able to be living that conceptual space. And so like campers would come forward with like con- questions or concerns. And so it was a very eye-opening and enlightening experience for me to be able to discuss issues like that with families, like whose kids, I mean, you know, if you're, you were a camp counselor, like you, you, you get close, you know, you, you learn about, you get close to the parents, you get close to the family and being able to talk about those issues in a religious context about yourself, where you previously weren't even allowed to discuss is a very, it's very healing. It was very healing for me. It made me a stronger person because I got to be more confident in me moving forward emotionally with, you know, my queerness. And um, I don't think that the evangelical body has the space in it even if they wanted even if some of them wanted to to foster something like that which is bad thanks for listening to not as christian is when we started if you're listening to this on spotify apple music pocket cast or anchor fm be sure to share that link our email will always be in the description and we are happy and willing to take any questions you may have and remember if you enjoyed today's episode my name is jesse and if you hated it my name is ben